0: Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein, you are listening to The Revenue Brothers with Raul and Tony. In today's episode, we're talking about the Sales Love Drift merger. Raul and I debate if it's another SaaS collapse, or if it's actually a brilliant fucking move by Vista Equity Partners. Enjoy.
1: What's your favorite acquisition of the new year? Have you, have you bought anything nice this year? Um... That's a really great question. Uh, I
0: think we haven't bought anything yet, but we're looking at a summer house. That would be an actual acquisition, wow. like an actual yeah. buy. Um, but, um, you know, we, we keep buying stuff for the kids all the time. So it's like um, there's always there's always something that's that's exciting.
1: I was thinking like a nice gadget or anything, you know? No, 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 no. no.
0: Are you are you kind of a are you kind of a gadget buyer actually? Do you always buy the? Did you buy the uh, Apple Vision Pro already, or what's what's your what's your take?
1: No, no, no. I'm 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 really scared that uh, of the future that that will bring with us. No, actually, that's not true. Like I might try those at some point. Um, I'm typically not a first generation buyer when I'm a bit skeptical about the yeah. about the technology, and um, I think at this point it's it's more of a gimmick. Still, they're working really hard to make you think it's not a gimmick. Yeah. But uh, I don't see how that will make my life significantly better right now. And um, I like either buying big stuff that is going to make a big difference in my life or just small stuff that is going to make everything a bit better. Like the mic stand, for example. That's actually my favorite acquisition of the year, uh, buying this mic stand because that makes things so much easier. Especially when you switch on the microphone, you know, the, the
0: right one in order to kind of give the input here for the, for the audio.
1: However, Tony, people go out there and they buy even bigger things. So as a lot of people know right now, uh, something has happened. Tell us about it. So I think this was um,
0: one or two days ago of you know time recording here. Um, the announcement was that SalesLoft purchased Drift. Uh, so who, who doesn't know that? SalesLoft is one of those sales engagement tools originally, so you can send emails and sequences for your SDRs. That's how they grew up, and since then they've you know, ventured into being more of an like an SDR and AE kind of place. You can do forecasting and so forth in there. That, so that's called now Sales Engagement. They're very much competing with Outreach and Clary and Gong, basically. And Drift is this little chat thing that pops mm-hmm. up on, on, on a website. And when you go there and it's like, hey, can we help you? I saw you checked out the pricing page. Do, don't you want to talk to us? So that's Drift. And what happened there, the announcement was that, you know, uh, Salesforce and Drift are merging. And just to kind of give you a little bit of an idea, both of these actually have been transacted on. So there's like a price tag to them. Both of them are more than a billion dollars in, in valuation. Half been. Half been, right? Mm-hmm. So at first, when I kind of saw this, I was like, wow, how did Salesoft pull this off? They don't have that much money. And Drift was bought by Vista Equity Partners. So they're not going to sell this for cheapo, like one or two years after until I realized that also Salesoft is part of Vista Equity Partners. Mm-hmm. And then it dawned on me, this was not a Salesoft bought anything kind of thing. This was, um, you know, I just looked him up, you know, uh, if, if you don't know him, Robert F. Smith, kind of he's the owner or majority stakeholder or whatever of Vista Equity Partners. He just orchestrated a pretty awesome thing here. He just kind of combined those two things together and I think the ultimate story that they are you know pushing out in the market is combining buyer and seller engagement, which actually sounds like a pretty nice little story that they're fabricated there. However, and this is the intro to part of the conversation here, a lot of people have been seeing this as the doomsday doomsday scenario here for another SaaS collapse. What is it? Maybe maybe you you enlighten kind of us, kind of why, why is everyone so up in arms about this and this being a totally terrible thing?
1: Yeah, I think not everyone has the background info that, that you just had, but people are freaking out mostly because we talked about this a couple episodes ago. The overall narrative is still that software as a service is dead it's harder than ever we we talked about that like the, all the underlying metrics are suffering and it's really hard to to do sales in general uh, for, for that kind of product nowadays but then also that just the business model itself has sort of overpassed the the peak hype phase and the peak growth phase and so therefore uh this is sort of a sign of of things getting even worse to some people because you can put a very negative spin to it and say well if these two juggernauts of software as a service are coming together, it's not because that's a great opportunity to join forces, but it's because they're both struggling and they're sort of trying to dig themselves out of a hole and get out of a better of worse situation by sort of joining forces, eliminating competition, or at least uh, competition uh, between each other, uh, although they're not 100% competitors. And also like cutting losses in general, just like streamlining things a bit more. And yeah, I think this is sort of like very, very high level, what some people are screaming out to the world. But I'm not sure that's entirely the whole story to it, or that's the only way to look at it.
0: No, I think sometimes the narrative also goes in the direction of, and I think this is still unsolved. And this maybe is a glimpse of how now Vista is solving it, but I'm not sure what the solution really is. But yes, we came from a time of really high valuations, and those valuations aren't there anymore. So, what are all of those VCs and private equity companies? What are all of them? Uh, what are you doing with all of those overpriced assets? Right? Kind of. What? What, what the f? H- how do you want to get this out of your books, basically? Because making money on this is going to be kind of impossible. And how do you move on? Right? How do you resolve that thing? And I don't know, honestly, I don't know how all the VCs are going to solve, gonna be uh, solving this. And I think private equity here basically kind of offered a, you know what? You know what our business is? It's roll-ups. We're kind of, go, you know, we're buying a piece of software. And usually, and that's maybe the scary part, Vista Equity is kind of one of the premier, um, you know, software private equity firms out there. Kind of you have bigger firms that buy also oil and gas and, I don't know, chemistry and, like, all kinds of things. But Vista is the premier one in software. So they don't only have Salesoft and Drift. They previously, I think, held Marketo as well, which they mm. sold to Adobe for, like, a gazillion billion. They have Gainsight. They have a couple of other really, really big premier kind of software pieces. And usually they don't do the roll-up game. That's usually not what they do, right? And so now Vista is doing it, actually, They're kind of merging those two pieces. And I think that scares people. I think that is scary for people that, you know, suddenly kind of these guys are rolling up, you know, what otherwise would have been considered premier software pieces to begin with, right? And I think, yes, they will be cutting a lot of overhead, which you will have in the back office for sure. But also they will be aiming to do a bunch of cross-sell. So both of them fairly Mm -hmm. large customer bases. And now you want to cross-sell the, you know, the F out of this they would, they probably don't need a you know 2x of the the product team so that will be cut down and so forth so i think this whole thing is going to be about the attach rate and the cross sell rate that's the whole thing basically kind of the realization is like oh oh this customer acquisition cost thing is pretty expensive again out sales of an extremely expensive market with outreach and clary and gong kind of really difficult to sell anything there drift in an expensive market with intercom and then I think 100, literally 161 other <laughs> competitors. Mm. How do you get your product out efficiently? Well, just do it via cross sell. Just cross sell the shit out of this thing now, and they must have both like north of thousands of customers. And that is basically the growth journey of how they probably want to, you know, show the spike happening. And then let's see, you know, if the public market in a year or two is going to buy this massive piece, or if this is going to be sold to, I don't know, Salesforce and then blocked by the by the authorities or something like this but that's kind of i think that's the game that they want to play here
1: and think about also now okay again in the in the case of these two companies they're not entirely competitors but think about how much effort and how much money they have spent in the last years to to outperform the competition yeah. and and think about what that will do to them is to at least have one less other company to 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 think about and yeah. and those were I mean, sales loft probably a bit bigger, you could argue, depending on what you're looking at. This is only mm-hmm. revenue or whatever. But those are two major players, right? I shudder at the thought of, of of HubSpot and Salesforce joining forces, right? I'm not sure that would actually be a good thing. And no. and I wouldn't even know what that monstrosity of a product would look like. But think about what that would do, obviously, to to those tools at the end of the day. Because as you said it, and you put it very nicely, that's the part about SaaS is that Obviously, all these other businesses, and you and me, I don't think we've ever worked in something that has produced anything uh, ourselves. I have founded something as, as a physical product. There's other pieces to it. When it comes to software as a service, this how do I get customer acquisition to a certain point is yeah. just what all of this is about. Funnily enough, one of the first thoughts that I had. And I always have that when I hear news like this is, well, how is this going to change selling, right? And how is this going to change selling for them? Is that going to change the whole story? Because currently, and if you look at SalesLoft, they have always, and, and at least, I think I've, I don't know how old SalesLoft is. I think they're like at least eight to 10 years old. Mm. And as long as I've known them, they have taught it themselves as a sales engagement tool, right? That's what they do. And they've even together with outreach, you could say, I think salesoft was even before that sort of, sort of coined that term. The question is like, is that, gonna, is that gonna change? Is the story gonna change? Is that a new thing right now? And how is so that bas- gonna look like? So basically kind of,
0: you're talking to the line extension problem, right? So think about Gong. I think Gong is a great example for this. When, when you say Gong in a room, people are like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a video recording. Like, got it, and transcribe, you know, transcribing it. Got it, that's what it is. Well, it's not anymore. They have an SDR engagement sequencing kind of tool. They have forecasting in there. Obviously, they have the video recording, and then they have something else. And the thing is, those four pieces are now shared by Clary, by SalesLoft, and by Outreach. All of them have the exact same lineup. All of them made the exact same acquisition kind of in the categories, right? All of them have something for SDR, something for AEs, call recording, what have you. And I think because all of them are doing it, I think this line extension thing for them, for that group of four, might actually end up working out, right? Because people have now realized, you know what, I know Salesoft started, you know, sales and Outreach started as sales engagement, so as sequencing tool, basically. It's a fucking sequencing tool. But they now do more stuff. Clary has started in the forecasting thing, but they also now do the other stuff. Gong has started as a recording tool. They now also do the other things, right? Whenever you think you're going to buy something in that space, it's going to be those four people. And I think that could work great. The problem though is, and this is, this is kind of, you know, one-on-one business theory, I guess, but there's always going to be one leader. There's always going to be the, the front runner who's going to get most of the attention from the market, who then by default is going to grow faster. Not only because, mm-hmm. and this is like BCG matrix stuff, it's like not only because, you know, they're learning faster and they're getting more efficient and all of that, but also when you think about, ah oh, you know, I want to buy a tool in that space. Who should I go to? Like, ah oh, it's the leader. I, I buy the leader. Kind of the default is going to be the leader. And then, you know, you would need to, you know, expense further resources from your brain to consider not the leader because why wouldn't you go with the leader, right? And I think what Salesoft might be doing right now is they might be becoming the leader here. Mm-hmm. By you know, by kind of executing this thing, suddenly it's okay, you know, they took it one one step further now, right? And I don't I don't see, you know, don't get me wrong, Gong can either build or buy or Clary can do that as well as you know, one of the other 150 conversational marketing vendors out there. But it's you know it would need to be intercom. but the thing is, not, none of them have the money. Like, you cannot execute this. It's not going to work out. Intercom is not going to sell because they were overvalued, and now, you know, they're not valued as high anymore,
1: so they can't do that. Let me double-click on that, though, because I think that is that is, you just said something there before you jump over that. So-and-so are not going to sell because they've been overvalued in the past. Do you really think that's what's going to happen right now? Like, all these, we're not going to sell because we're all holding out. Like, yeah. the one thing I was wondering about, obviously is, yeah, nobody wants to sell because investors don't want to lose their money, maybe there's some ego reasons, whatever, but, like, how much cash are these companies having, and are they really all in a mode where they can afford to wait another five years? And I don't know the cash situation of all those companies, but if really the world is of sauce is as bleak as everyone's talking about, like, are we not going to see a couple companies sell out of necessity? And to go back to the starting, to the intro of that, is that what's just happening right now? Again, i don't not sure that's the thing, but is nobody going to sell, really? So I think, um, and this this is the problem in those boardrooms, is
0: it's not... So you have, you have a couple of things working against you. One is anti-delusion provisions, right? That's why down rounds is so difficult. So if you don't know what an anti-delusion provision is, basically you get double, double screwed. Because the last investor, if you do a down round, can convert the investment from last time Now to the value of this time, which basically rules out down rounds unless you are ready to, you know, unless the alternative is death, right? So that's why no one does that. Then the other thing is you have those exit events with those high multiples working against your high multiples that you have been given. So basically you will have a decent chunk of preferred shares in your cap table that says, no, thank you. I'm not going to make any money on this deal. I'm going to block it. So how is that shareholding cap table? How's that going to execute the sale? It's just not going to work. It's like, you know, some people are going to walk away with a lot and some people are going to walk away with like literally zero, like nothing. They've lost money on this deal, right? And then number three, the only way for some of them to kind of get some cash back, which they might have done, is crazy liquidation preferences, right? But that then means that the common part, so the founders of the cap table are going to block the deal as well. Because like, sorry, you know, I can't yes, I know I have a 2x lick pref on 100 million dollars. Um, that means I need to get at least 201 million for me to get anything from, from this thing, and they're not going to do that either. So I think all of those companies, many of those companies, are kind of stuck in a place where they have to become prof- they have to become profitable. There's no way around this. And then I don't know what. I don't know what happens at some point. I don't I don't know how this, you know, this knot is going to be untied. But that's kind of the, that's the problem that's evolving, right? And, and the cool thing is, Vista is like, you know what? I own the whole shebang here. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to roll these two things up I, because I can do it. But Gong can't do it with Intercom. Clary can't do it with Intercom. All of these players cannot do that because of this chessboard basically is now broken into pieces and you're not even playing the same fucking game anymore, right? And that's I think that's the genius of what these guys executed there and I think SalesLoft has a real chart at being the de facto leader you know, out of the pack of Gong, Clary, Outreach and SalesLoft. They have the chance now to be the de facto leader, um, you know, being ahead of the rest, which might not only give them cross-sell opportunities which is super obvious, super difficult to execute but might even give them the Ah, okay, I'm looking for a tool like this. Let's go to the leader of the category instead of you know going to the number two
1: so so much to go in there uh, I think for this knot thing and you've put it very nicely, so I think for the companies that are in the knot right now, this may not be very helpful uh yeah. and it's it's so funny the world we're living in like when i and i know all this stuff but when i listen to you put it like and you put it very 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 openly like very concisely it is it is such a weird world we're living in right yeah. and so the situation that we've gotten ourselves into is unless there's growth nothing happens and yes. and and you do need to grow so basically the only way to untie that knot is growth but sort of this hack with uh with the pe is is maybe a, a one time thing there but the one thing that i was wondering about is that's all nice, Tony, right? It makes a lot of sense, maybe for this specific case, and especially mm-hmm. if you're that specific PE uh, in question. But is that even a good idea to put these kinds of tools together? Because at the end of the day, like the market still needs to be like, yep, that's a good idea, I, I see the point, and I wanna have the seller engagement, and I wanna have the buyer side together, And even though those are two very different things, it's very obvious how this is going to be one suite of of, of tools, right? And what I'm trying to get here is at some point, there is an end to this craze of let's just add another functionality. Like let's just be X, but then we add forecasting and then Mm. we add video calling and then we add this and then whatever. Like it still needs to be a coherent suite of tools that someone will be like, okay, yeah, that's one coherent product, right?
0: Think about the companies you've worked at who use Drift. Who was actually sitting in Drift, like in the tool? Who bought the tool, or or no, what no, kind no? Who was actually working it? in the tool? Who was who was who had a seat in the tool and was using the tool? I can tell you for for my companies, it's sellers. Drift is a selling tool. In Drift, we had you know in one particular case we had like inbound reps, right? People that basically kind of super junior, not STRs, but let's say inbound STRs, and they sat there and they're waiting for basically an inbound to come through that channel, and then we're chatting with them, and then they're converting them into a a deal. Similarly, when you think about Intercom, and Drift and Intercom, kind of the same thing, but Drift more on the marketing side, Intercom more on the customer success or on the tool side. You know, Intercom is like, then you have your support and your CSM agent sitting in Intercom, right? Um, And at the end of the day, what you're kind of doing there is you're creating a piece of software that combines the workflow of SDRs, AEs, support agents, inbound reps, CSMs. You combine it into one thing, basically. Kind of that's that's actually what's happening, right? Kind of this is going to be GTM, engagement tool, basically. And what that eliminates is all of this broken process stuff that, you know, arguably RevOps is trying to, you know, fix... When the company talks to the set of users as or a set of customers and prospects as they go through the buying journey, and all of yeah. this being handled in one tool sounds like a kind of a cool kind of vision. Are they going to be able to pull it off product-wise? Because I've seen those, I've seen those mergers, I've seen this product franken sweet mess. Yeah, and I think it's going to be difficult to pull off. By the way, but the vision, I, I can see the vision. Honestly, I can see how that's going to work out.
1: So. You just mentioned the product thing and and let's postpone that for now. Let's assume that they're going to get there somehow uh, and and it might be... Maybe right now there's not that much competition so you can afford to not be perfect yet. So whatever, okay. I'm thinking two directions. So number one, I'm really welcoming a world where, and I don't know that, that this acquisition was motivated by that, but at the end of the day, I really welcome a world where you just... Like, we get so caught up in our thinking about our own process as as B2B sellers or our own funnels. And what is this? What does the customer journey look like? What are the trigger points? What is all that? For the customer, ideally, until they're, unless they're like a software as a service nerd or are in B2B sales, they don't even know what these things mean, obviously. They don't care about mm-hmm. those. And that's fine. But what the customer cares about is a seamless customer experience. And... By the way, uh, a really great book for that, the effortless uh, experience. By that, I don't know if, if you know that from the authors of Taking the Challenger Sale. Basically, the best book I know on on customer service or customer success. I hope I didn't botch the the name. I think it's called the Effortless Experience. So I welcome a world where things will become more effortless and and seamless for the for the customer. Okay, check mark. But what will that do to organizations? Like, are organizations ready to actually have that? And will that mean that for the companies that are trying to use both of these sides that the SDR is going to merge into a sort of SDR plus customer service tool in, in it, or a function in one place? Does that mean that there will actually just be different people sitting in that tool, which at the end of the day, then there's not that much benefit to actually having the, both the tools before? And I don't know that I know the answer for that necessarily. I know that like both will be, Hard to pull off. Like you can't just like change how organizations work, and you're not just going to create a new role. At least not in a couple of years. That will take time.
0: No, I agree with that. I think tools will rarely change organizations. I think that's you know maybe that happens over five to ten years, but you know that that's usually not the play. I think. I mean, honestly, it's a little bit like recently watched a demo of Outreach, and the whole pitch really was ease of use for everyone, like saving saving time in you know, basically, the the thing was like, hey, I'm a VP sales, I log in, I see my, you know, forecasts here, and I was like, yep, you have that in Salesforce as well, my friend. Or here, I can see the transcript, yep, you have that in Gong as well. Or over here, I can see, you know, I don't know, the deals, like, yep, again, that's, that's also what you have in Salesforce. And like, I'm that's what kind of went through my head, basically, right? And the thing is, his whole thing was about ease of use. Everything is one place. It's very specifically tailored to your experience, and that apparently works out, right? Apparently that works out. And I think the same would then actually happen just with your marketing and sales, and, and maybe even C.S. folks, right? If you think about the intercom example, and then instead of needing to log into, I don't know where you have that and. Intercom by itself or Gainside, or Salesforce or Salesloft, or whatever wherever kind of that part of the funnel is being captured, you're kind of staying in the same environment. You can pull off some neat integration tricks that you otherwise couldn't. You know, if it's not one product, you, you sometimes can't make those tricks happen. And I think that's what this whole thing is actually about. And I think the other piece is it's ease of purchase, honestly. It's like, oh, okay, I need to go to this one vendor and, you know, let's start by check and check. And then, oh, you know, in, in three or six months, I'm going to do check and check and check. And oops, now I have everything. And and instead of doing a big implementation process, it was really just, you know, someone in the back end flipping on this part of the product here, right? Which is kind of a cool buyer experience. And guess what? It's great for net retention, you know, and it's going to show great, great metrics basically coming out of this, right? So I think that's mm-hmm. the play more than it is anything else. So when everyone is talking about consolidation, Really, what they're saying is like, I don't wanna I don't want to get bogged down by this integration BS. I think that's actually what it is. And bad integrations happen all the time. That's why revenue operations exist, by the way. So kind of that shitty integration that will not only be a one-off cost, this will be a tax ongoing, right? When you think about it. And I think that's what they're capitalizing on. That's the trick I think that they want to pull off. It's like, you know what? Don't worry about all of those shitty integrations between all of these best of breed tools and guess what we bought all of the best of breed tools and now made it into just simply one and i don't necessarily see that as as bad actually i think it's i think it's going to stifle competition i think barriers to entry are going to be massive but i think you had the same thing happening with salesoft or as uh, salesforce oracle you know hubspot made it um, and um, i think uh, this was a this is going to be a deeply entrenched category and you know, people should probably not try and innovate here. They should try and innovate somewhere else because that thing kind of is solved, right? I mean, I feel
1: you're obviously sitting in Copenhagen, and one of the things that I've learned about Denmark is that Denmark is very much a Microsoft country, and or at least Copenhagen, as so I've been told. Like it's uh, all these tools we're talking about are quite a hard sell, and um, I know that there is some of the most Microsoft uh, suite uh agencies uh in Europe are sitting in Copenhagen because really? like, all the customers are looking <laughs> to implement those kinds of tools so people are not are not even going for Salesforce they're going for dynamics um, wait what was it? dynamics yes so they're going for dynamics instead so i found that funny but the one thing that i would add to 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 your piece is it sounds simple but like and this comes from someone who really dislikes teams a lot but mm. i do get why people like teams like i hate it myself i know mm. why people like it because yeah. it has some features that would be really difficult to pull off if you were just to frankenstein yep. two two tools together right and and this is what i'm trying to get at is this game if we're going to move into a world where basically it is choose your own environment and just stay there forever right basically what you're trying to say is hey in a couple of years tony's prediction is it's going to be like Apple versus Android, right? You're going to choose your one environment and then you're going to choose whatever solution is available in that environment and it's going to look like that. Okay, cool. But then at least that environment needs to somehow make sense at the end of the day. And that's why a lot of people still go for Apple because like they... Most people do prefer, for for some reason or another, how seamless things are and how they make sense with each other. Yeah, and that's why some people still like Teams, even though they a lot of times don't like the makeup and and how it looks and it's Microsoft and all that stuff. But it's just nice that I can access my documents in the same place. So
0: I, I mean, honestly, so it's um so my wife is working in a really big corporate here in in in, in Denmark. Um, and guess what? They're using Teams. Um, Obviously. And I looked, I looked over her shoulder once or twice, and it's like, you know what? Actually, it's pretty neat. Uh, there's a couple of. And she, you know, she was previously startups as well, and she kind of was swearing on um, Slack. Swearing on Slack. She really liked Slack. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and she now kind of was like, you know what? I don't like this whole thing. She also has a Lenovo laptop, which kind of is driving her crazy. Um, yeah. With you know, with Microsoft on it, but she's not like. Teams thing is actually not that bad, you know? Uh, yes, you can do the chat things a little bit worse than you did in Slack, but then you have the whole Office suite is in here, the co-pilot is in here, all of these other things, all of these other Microsoft things, super easy kind of uh, to Outlook, you know, calendar scheduling, you know, all of these things are kind of seamless in here, which, which you know, for us is like a, uh, is a context switching but for them, it's just in there, right? I think that's pretty compelling. I think that's pretty cool. And then obviously it's for free, right? <laughs> let's, not, let's not forget that one little you know nugget that Teams is having. Maybe switching gears, what I'm sometimes wondering is, and I asked Udi from Gong on the show or after the show, I'm not sure. And he just said no comment. I was like, hey, Udi, it sounds like Gong is building kind of this whole ecosystem around the CRM. When are you going to just build the CRM? You know, and he was like, "No comment." So I'm actually wondering, right? Because really, the missing piece, even for outreach, even for Clara, even for SalesLoft and Drift, now um, it's this system of record. Are they going to be that by default, accidentally, at some point? Are they going to actually build a CRM, or a CRM is going to go away? Because the thing is, I just looked this up. So um, Vista Equity Partners they also hold PipeDrive. You know, not you know. Don't get me wrong not the most sophisticated CRM in the world it's kind of you know an SMB kind of thing and obviously they're trying to grow up but it's always like well you know you did drift you did SalesSoft. why don't you just fold on and this thing and just own the whole own the whole bubble you know basically kind of have something that can compete with HubSpot and Salesforce Salesforce do the whole sales engagement thing do the whole you know a marketing thing by the way they also have gainside why not throw this in there as well? <laughs> and they have, um, they have Chorus, which is uh, customer engagements. It's like a, I think it's a forum or something like So, and this maybe kind of goes to your point. Where does it stop? Right? What is the end of that category? Should there be an end? Should, sales loft and drift be exited to hubspot in in a year from now how would that actually kind of move
1: so i wonder about this a lot as well i don't know that we'll find an answer right now but i think there's there's really i would say two or three different very religious parties to to that and so there's still a lot of people who believe that the future will be very very different And it will absolutely be best of breed and best of combining minimal tools together. And AI might be a piece in that and sort of getting things together a bit better. And some people have a lot of hope in AI helping also with connecting tools, by the way, which I'm not that deep into, but like people say, well, Zapier is great, but that's not the only thing out there. And AI is going to help us connect things and and make them talk better with each other. Uh, And so actually, we're moving more towards best of breed. And then at the same time, some people are building sort of this, well, no, 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 it's best of my only breed and you have one choice of everything and this is the yeah. environment that i'm building for you so i think this is very 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 interesting and then there are some people who will be like well whatever it is i'll just choose salesforce forever and then uh, it'll be salesforce plus whatever right so yeah. if it's going to be salesforce plus maybe i'm going to use part it as well and i'm going to try that out and then i just fill in the gaps with whatever else is going to be there right um i mean this was this was also almost my thought right kind of
0: you have seen this consolidation in multiple industries before right kind of you just mentioned apple and android that that was one previously it was microsoft and apple now for the whole vr game it wants to be meta versus apple you know this is the consumer side if you will and then in on the b2b side i don't have too many great examples but it was sales i mean salesloft, you know buying pardot buying some of the marketing stuff further, buying some of the CS stuff, like the CS. I don't even know kind of what those acquisitions were, but they built a lot of kind of pieces around that as well. We have seen this again and again and again, actually, and it's gonna continue. And this is really just, I think, a sign of an industry or of a category maturing. And I think, you know, while many, many people are trying to kind of, you know, tweak this sales of drift thing into something negative in order to get clicks on TikTok and LinkedIn, I think it was a genius move that they pulled off. And I think if they're doing it right, they might actually be redefining the playing field for what these other guys, Clary, yeah. Outreach, Gong, need to do. And I think they just, you know, made a massive leap forward. And I, th- I think it's more of a genius play. I think it has nothing to do with, you know, Doomsday Sars. And, you know, I applaud, you know, Robert here. Was it Robert? Yeah, I applaud Robert here for pulling this off, honestly. I think it's fantastic. And I think um, I've never liked Salesforce that much. Outreach is a cooler brand. Clary is kind of clearly for, you know, something else. And Gong's cooler brand. I think Salesforce might have pulled off the, uh, hey, we're going to leapfrog over the whole thing, you know.
1: So I'm You know, I'm I honestly, agree with I'm that, impressed. by the way. Outreach is a much cooler brand. And I've heard mm-hmm. so many people say that. Mm-hmm. I, I have to look into that. Why? Basically, everyone agrees that outreach is just because it's the same thing, right? It's why purple. is just outreach so much cooler? It's purple. That's why. Is yeah. that it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I like that was super interesting to me, uh, and and I I don't think that we will know the answer now, but I think in five to ten years we'll look back at these kinds of things and know where that led, right? Either going to be in this world or that world, or this might be the one genius move that sort of con- started the consolidation of, of many yeah. different things. Or yeah. it might actually be the downfall of software as a service, which I don't think.
0: Which make me, maybe makes for better content, you know, for more clickable content. But anyway, Raul, thank you so much. This was fun. So we talked about the Sales Loft and Drift merger, which we concluded was a genius move by <laughs> Vista Equity Partners here. And we thoroughly push against all the naysayers and Debbie Downers out there that you know want to kind of twist this into something negative because we don't actually believe that that's true. No. I'm curious what will happen. Thanks, Tony. Me too. Thanks, well. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, have a good day.